What a great day. I hope everybody had a 4th of July that was fantastic, full of uh, fun, full of excitement. I'm the only one here. <laughs> Praise the Lord, everyone. Wow, I, I, I love celebrating birthdays, and I love celebrating our nation's birthday. I love the freedom that we have. Don't you? Freedom. I want to talk to you a little bit about freedom today. Freedom. What is freedom? Man, freedom, so in, in our culture, sometimes we, we think that freedom is being able to do what we want, say what we want, without any consequences whatsoever. In reality, that's not freedom at all. Freedom defined by, by our dictionary is the power or right to act, to speak, or to think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. I love that, don't you? Aren't you glad that you, can, that you live in a society that is able to go out and choose those that, that will lead us in our, in our government? That you have a right that if you like them, you can say you like them. If you don't like them, you can say that as well. We live in a country that, that allows us the privilege of being able to choose leaders. We live in a country that allows us to be able to say what we want. But the truth is, though we can say what we want, our words, our actions our cons have a consequence to them. They always have. There is a, you know, it's against the law to yell fire when you're in, uh, when you're in a movie theater. Don't try it unless you want to be in one of those little six by six holding cells, uh, unless there is a real fire. By all means, if, there, if you're at the movie theater and there is a real fire, you can yell it as much as you want. But you can't just say it just for the fun of it, because though you have the power and the authority, you don't, it has a consequence that comes with it. It's the same with our country. Freedom requires constant vigilance. We have to work at staying free. And the reason why we have to work at staying free is because there's always somebody or something that's trying to take your freedom. Isn't that amazing? There's always, there's always in life, there's always somebody that wants to have preeminence over you, that wants to focus on taking your rights and your freedoms away. And yet, it's the same thing in the Christian realm. Freedom is the fundamental focus of the Christian faith. Christ himself chose to come to set us free from the bondage of sin. I want you to think about that for a moment. What if Christ wouldn't have come? We would still be slaves to sin. It was Christ's choice. Philippians 2 said that he willingly made himself of no reputation and became a servant of men and gave himself for us. It was for the work that Christ gave for us that set us free. Spiritual freedom, though we have been set free, requires a constant vigilance as well. Galatians 5.1 says this, Paul writing to the church in Galatia, he says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
Stand firm then and do not allow yourselves to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Even though Paul was talking to a group of believers that had gotten caught up again in the, in the Old Testament law, it's, it so holds true to us as well. Though that Christ has set us free from sin, we can become entangled again. There is an eternal vigilance that every born-again believer must have if he wants or she wants to remain free in Christ. In John 8, in the passage that, that Sam uh, spoke to us, it's a passage on understanding freedom. Jesus is uh, teaching in the temple, and he had just dealt with it with a woman that was caught in adultery and began to ride in the sand and, and said, whoever has no sin, let him cast the first stone. And then he looked at the woman and said, where's your accusers? And she said, there's not any. And he says, I'm not going to accuse you either. Just go and sin no more. Jesus began after that a couple of days, he began to teach that I am the light of the world. And as he taught day to day in the temple, there were believers among the Jews that, that began to trust in him and to believe in him. And as they began to believe in Jesus, he began to give the, them these instructions. And it's really amazing. I'm going to have to just tell you about them. Uh, so if you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 8, verse 30 through 36. This is what Jesus said to those that were believing in him. He said, then when he heard that him say that these things, they believed in him. And Jesus said to the people who believed in him. He was saying to you and I that have put our hope and trust in him. You're truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings. Really interesting that, that you are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings teachings. That word keep obeying is really, in the Greek, is abiding, living in. If you want, if you really want to be my disciple, you have to live, dwell, take up residence within my teachings. They can't just be something you have on the shelf, but it's something that you live in and move in and act in every single day. That Jesus made a difference between believers and disciples. There are a lot of people that, that are believers. There are fewer that are disciples. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. Uh, see, a believer has a preference. A believer is preferred. You, you ever, you know, I prefer chocolate ice cream over vanilla ice cream. I really like chocolate ice cream. If you add some rocky road to it, yeah, buddy, that's good. If you say, do you want to go to Dairy Queen or Jeremiah's, I'm cruising on over to Jeremiah's. I have a preference. I believe that I like Jeremiah's better than I like Dairy Queen. I like chocolate better than I do vanilla. That's a preference. A disciple has a conviction. 
See, and that's the difference between a believer and a disciple. A believer has a preference. Oh, I prefer this. A disciple has a conviction. A belief is something that you may even argue for, but a conviction is something you will die for. I, 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 I think I probably told you this before, but considering my memory is short now, I'm going to tell you again. So if you'll laugh like you did the first time, that'd be great. But when I, when I was younger, I worked at an automotive store. And, and I tell you, in 1980, 1980 that's, I'm dating myself, right? 1980, a voltage regulator for a Chevrolet cost $3.67 plus tax. Tell you the reason why I know that. So I was working at an automotive store, and a guy came in and bought a, a voltage regulator for his Chevrolet, and I gave it to him, and he gave me $3.67 plus tax, and I said, thank you, and he said, nothing, just took his voltage regulator and left. 45 minutes later, he comes back, and he says, I want my money back. Now, there was a sign on the wall that said, no refunds or exchanges on electrical items. Here's the reason why. It's for people like me that are trying to figure out what's wrong with their car. So he thought it was the voltage regulator. So he changed it, decided it wasn't it. So he wanted to get his money back and try something else. But in doing so, with, with an electrical item, you can short circuit or burn it out. So there are no refunds or exchanges on electrical items. So I looked at him and I said, sir, there's no refunds or exchanges on electrical items. And he looked at me and said, I want my money back. And I said, sir, do you see the sign? No refunds or exchanges on electrical items. I am so sorry. And he said, I want my money back. And I said, sir, the sign. And he said, I want my money back. And I'm thinking, this guy has to be born from, in Arkansas. Uh, <laughs> So I just pointed to the sign like, there it is. That's when he pulled out a gun and said, I want my money back. And I said, yes, sir. Do you want a fan belt to go with that? Because <laughs> at that moment, I realized that that was a great, great philosophy on the wall. But it was a preference and it was not a conviction. Is the word of God a preference to you? Or is it a conviction? Is it something that we think is great, but when push comes to shove, we'll kind of do our own thing? Or is the word of God a conviction? That's what Jesus was saying. If you, if you really want to be my disciple, that, that the words that I'm saying cannot be a preference to you. You cannot prefer them over something else. But it has to be a conviction that, that you're going to adhere to it no matter what. Jesus was saying that, that if, you, if you want, if you really, really want to be a disciple... My words, the word of God, cannot be 
a preference. It cannot be something that sounds good. It has to be something that you are dedicated and consecrated to that you will give your life for. See, a, a preference becomes a conviction when we act on it. I, I liked that, that philosophy, that sign, that, that law uh, but the reality was it was a preference because I was not going to act on it. I was not going to look at the guy that had a gun and say, no, I'm not going to give you $3.67 plus tax. Look at what the scripture says right after that. Verse 32. This is really great. He says, and you will know the truth. Let me, let me read verse 31 so we kind of get it in context. Jesus said to those who believed in him, You are my disciples if you keep obeying or living within my teachings. In other words, if, if they become a conviction and not a preference, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is Jesus saying? He's, he's simply saying this, that you, you can only know truth when you act on your convictions. If you are saved, born again, a child of God, you went through a process of hearing and believing to making it a conviction that you acted on. Only those that have had their sins forgiven understand what it's like to have that load lifted off of their shoulders. Do you remember that time when the Lord set you free? I believe that the Lord heals people today. I do. Those that have been healed know that he is a healer. Those that have been saved know that Jesus is a Savior. No, those that are, have been redeemed know that Jesus is a Redeemer. Those that have put their trust and hope and have stepped out and, and have done what, what God has asked them to do, they are the ones that know the truth. The promises of God have to be acted on. Scripture says that in James that faith without works is dead being alone what is James saying that, that our salvation is based on works no what he is saying is that your beliefs become convictions and when you act on your convictions that's when you know truth when you know it till you act on it see Noah had to build the boat if Noah would have never built the ark Noah would have never known that God was a savior that God would deliver him. God told him, here's what I want you to do. Told him how to do it. Told him what kind of wood to get. He told him everything. He even told him how to get the animals. But Noah had to go get the wood. And by the way, the acacia wood that he was talking about during that time wasn't really grown where where Noah was. So he had to go get the wood and bring it back. He was dedicated. He had a conviction about what God had told him, and he acted on it. And when he acted on it, God saved him and his family and all the animals that he had gathered. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being Noah and having to gather all these animals? I wouldn't have gathered the snakes. 
Florida would not have alligators today. There would be no snakes in the world. Only the animals I liked. Noah had to act. Naaman had to step out. Not just hear and, and have a belief about, about the God or the prophet, but had to have a conviction and had to be convinced. And then when he actually went and dipped himself seven times in the river, then and only then was he healed. But it was through his action, his conviction that led him to act, that gave him the truth that God truly is a healer. When, when the disciples were in the boat in the middle of the storm and, and Jesus comes walking by on the water, and I love that passage of Scripture, I think it's in Mark chapter 5 or 4, where, where Jesus is walking by and, and, and he was going to pass them by. Just walk right on by them. Here they are struggling in the storm and Jesus was going to walk on by. Can you imagine if they'd worked all night and they thought Jesus was back there and when they got up to, to the other shore, Jesus would have had breakfast ready for them? But Jesus was going by and, 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 the, and then the disciples thought it was a ghost, so they started crying out. Big scaredy cats. And, and, they, and Jesus said, hey, it's just me. I'm just me. Just, I'm taking a leisurely stroll on these waves. And Peter said, hey, can I come out there too? See, his belief had kind of like, hey, I'm going to see if Jesus says I can walk on water. Because that would be really cool. And Jesus said, come on. But you know, if Peter would have stayed in the, in the boat, he would have never walked on water. Somewhere in there, that belief, when he heard the words of Jesus, said, come on. You can have this. You can do this. He had to believe it to the point that it became a conviction that he stepped out of the boat. There had to be a time in there when the words that Jesus said, you can do this. Something happened in his heart that he decided to cast his hairy legs over the side of that boat and walk on the water. What's Jesus speaking to you today? Is he asking you? Has he told you? Here, here's, here's what I want you to do. Here's where I want you to go. Here's, here's the person I want you to speak to. And you believe it, but is it a conviction? Is it something that, that you believe in enough that you're going to step out and, and put legs to and actually do it? Because the only way that you're going to know the truth of what God is asking you to do is when you act on it. We believe in prayer. I'm going to say prayer, if it's anything to the, to the child of God, it's everything to the child of God. Think about your life, your spiritual life. What is the number one thing that the adversary fights you on? Isn't it prayer? Can't you always find something else to do? Well, I need to pray or I need to go to the grocery store. I, I need to go to the grocery store. I need to pray or I need to weed the yard in the middle of the day when it's 112. We always find an excuse. There's always some reason to keep us from prayer because prayer works. 
Prayer is one of those amazing things that, that, that there are 24 hours in a day and every single one of us have the same opportunity to pray. There are no great prayer warriors and, and lesser prayers. There are no, I mean, I've heard people pray that were so amazing. Their vocabulary was incredible. And I've heard people that only when they prayed, all they would say is like, oh, Jesus. But it doesn't matter the words that you use. It's the prayer that you pray. Prayer works. But as long as it's a belief and not a conviction and we don't act on it, it will not do us any good. I love that passage of scripture up there, Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus is saying, go. I love the scripture before that. He said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. So go. He's saying, I am the one that has the authority. Now go. He commissioned every one of us. You know, that's a, that's a great belief, isn't it? That we can go and make disciples. You can go and make disciples. How do I know that? Jesus said so. And I'm not arguing with him. I've tried, but I always lose. But here, it, 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 as long as we just have a belief, you'll never see the fruit of it. But when you begin to make that a conviction, something that is bedrock in you, that Jesus said, I can go and make disciples, so I am going to go and make disciples. And when you step out of your comfort zone and you begin to share the good news, with those around you, you will make disciples. Why? Because the Lord said you will. It's amazing that when belief becomes conviction and we act on our convictions, we know the truth of the Word of God. But it's that process. It's the process. We have to, we have to go from belief to conviction to action, and then you will know the truth. The gospel works when we share it. So let me ask you this. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. What are you believing God for? Right now in your life, what are you believing God for? What are you trusting? What is he, what is he working in your life? Is there something that, that he is working in your life right now? That, that you're wrestling with going from a belief to a conviction to action? If you want to see the result, if you want to know the truth, you have to go through the process. 